And the bartender's oh like, hey, why do you got a ship steering wheel down your pants? He's like, ah, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Today is December 21st, live from the Live Dudes Bunker. My name is J-Mac, of course it is. I do not have Miss K with me this evening, but I do have a new sound, a new voice from the past, Mr. Suede. Is that what we're going with? Is that is that a disguise enough? <laughs> oh, that'll work for me, I think, man. Go right ahead. Mr. Suede is my Sweet. longtime friend. What we count, like 30 years or something? Pretty damn near 30 years, man. And we were musicians together. I still am when I can manage it. Mr. Suede is continuing to write and record brilliant music. And we're going to we're going to speak a little bit about our musical endeavors together and we're going to get through the to some like some history, some long forgotten history. If you would like to get the show iTunes Google Play, SoundCloud, Live Dudes Podcast. It's not that hard. Just Google it, you lazy motherfuckers. <laughs> so, Mr. Sway, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you hail from, where you came from. Tie, oh. tie it all in for me. I'm going to have a sip of wine here and a little puff of some nicotine. I don't, uh, I don't do that other stuff. I think it's bad for you. <laughs> uh okay i am born and bred in st louis but now i reside in the great state of colorado <laughs> i'm sorry i swear i'm i'm smoking nicotine i swear to Jesus. <laughs> So we we've known each other for a long time. We grew up together in North County in the in the hood, dog in the so called hood. No now co. it's now it's the fucking hood, big time. No co faux show. And and I got to tell you, um, you knew Adam. Yep. And we're gonna uh, before we get rolling here, I'm gonna play because you've never listened to live dudes, have you? Uh, I've, it's been a long time since I've heard it. Sorry, man. No, don't worry about it. I can't believe anybody listened to my fucking sorry <laughs> shit. <laughs> but I've got a clip here just, just to reacquaint you with what we do on this show here. Our listeners probably like, God damn, we fucking play this shit fucking five times. I already heard this shit. But we're going to play just a little bit so you can kind of get warmed up. And what I'm going to need you to do, like Miss K and Adam Lay Sewer Style, is put your microphone up to that little speaker over there. All right. And this is what we do on this show. We've never taken prisoners. We just fucking go for it. So this is us speaking about Caitlyn Jenner, and I I might have been under the influence of some urbage at the time. I don't I, I, I don't I don't really condone it, but here we go. I didn't think Bruce Jenner looked sexy is what I'm trying to say. That's fine. But you thought he looked sexy. I mean, he's not a bad, I mean. You said he was a good-looking woman. Not, he's a yeah, good-looking woman. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fucking bastard. I wouldn't want to fucking, but I'm saying he don't make a bad looking. He wouldn't, but yeah, when a six foot two frame comes walking in the room, right. looking like that, that fucking <laughs> corset, <laughs> see his dickhead poking out the back of his oh, back of his butt cheeks. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that sausage wrapped in a U-turn, motherfucker. <laughs> 
Looks like he's got a fucking tail on the backside. Ding, 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 ding. My new name is Bambi. <laughs> that little tail coming up my ass ain't a tail, it's my dickhead. <laughs> Oh my god, you're a um, sick motherfucker. Bambi you Jenner. are gone. Bambi Jenner. <laughs> Get my head to squeeze and see the queen come out. Oh. You have to do it from behind. <laughs> my boyfriend's name is Thumper. <laughs> <laughs> So bad. <laughs> you are one sick motherfucker. You call me sick for calling this beautiful woman. So there you go. You get a taste of what live dudes is all about. Jesus Christ, dude. We're fucking horrible, aren't we? It's pretty funny though. <laughs> okay, so let's let's dive right into the show. Um our biggest musical musical influences. Sorry, I can't speak. I've had a bottle of wine, and uh, my lady was like, "You had a bottle and a fifth. Do you know what a pirate's uh, favorite kind of wine is? What's that? Chardonnay. Oh goddamn! <laughs> it's terrible. Okay, here's a here's a joke for you. Okay, give me a joke. Let me see if I can remember it. What did the scarecrow win an award for? What's he was outstanding in his field. Get oh, my God. That's terrible. <laughs> Did you hear the one about the pirate that walked into the bar? With What's up sh- with your pirate jokes? With Well, I, who doesn't like a good pirate I, joke? I love pirate jokes. Okay, so like a pirate walks into Arr, a bar. scurvy dogs. He walks into a bar with a ship steering wheel down his pants. And the bartender's oh like, hey, why do you got a ship steering wheel down your pants? He's like, Arr, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Arr. Oh my God! So we 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 made our bones, so to speak, on the Beatles, which a lot. Some of our listeners are going to get that. Some of them are not going to. I remember I would go skateboarding at this church by your house in our neighborhood, and you would always come out, and we'd we'd hang out and talk, and you'd be like, you "Gotta come up here. My dad's got some some." Forbidden records. Seriously? Well, you would be like, my dad's got Beatles up here, and I'm like, I'm not allowed to listen to Beatles. They're the devil music. I know. My mom didn't like that I listened to them either. Your mom didn't like the Beatles? What? What's? I mean, here's my thing. What's wrong with the Beatles? Can, can you answer me that? Can you riddle me that, sir? Well, I don't know what's wrong with the Beatles. Good because day, I sir! Love them. I said good day. But I will tell you, she's, she's come around. She likes them okay, now, okay. but that was just at the time. I remember us grabbing your boom box and going sitting out in the parking lot and just like blaring the Beatles. And I would go and like, because I would like check out a bunch of CDs from the library. We'd like be blasting like revolver into the neighborhood. It was fucking oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And we, I was like, you think the Beatles like skateboarders? What a fucking dipshit I was. <laughs> <laughs> so we made our bones on the Beatles. And I, I would say for me, um, everything I do, and this is going to be kind of a musical episode. Um, Everything I do in some way 
boils down to something I heard on a Beatles record. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? I mean, at least at least sure. a lot of it is. I mean, the Beatles, they like so much of their music is all over the place. My probably my favorite Beatles album is the White Album because it's so fucking weird and that got reissued lately. And some people have been like, "There's there's a there's a big debate about the White Album. Where do you stand on the Beatles White Album?" It's for me. It's an album that I ended up uh, appreciating later after I, I digested things like Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road, and uh, and Revolver because I love the psychedelic era. But uh, once I dug into the White Album, I think it's just it's an awesome album. Well, because you got Helter Skelter, which I guess yeah, controversial. Some, some could uh, argue was the birth of heavy metal. I mean, I'm sure that I think they they were trying to compete with the Who, if I remember right. Well, and not to mention that it became like the anthem for one of the re- most ridiculous serial killers of all time. Yeah, how how metal is that? And I'm sure right, I'm sure McCartney metal. wasn't happy about that. No, he wasn't. I heard him talking about it recently. It was pretty interesting. So we would go up to your. I would go up to your house, and and it wasn't just the Beatles, but I mean, your dad had Elton John, um, yes. Chicago, Chicago, yes, yeah, Billy Joel. I, I I don't know if he was into the Stones so much. I don't know. I he don't remember the Stones. Not so much the Stones. He was more on the Beatles side of things. That equation. I don't remember much Black Sabbath either. No, he would tell me stories about listening to Black Sabbath in high school, but I don't remember Black Sabbath ever coming home from the library. What kind of stories would he tell? Uh, well, I can't divulge I his saw stories. A devil. I saw the devil come up. <laughs> I don't know. He might have. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I remember, I remember the first time I think I heard sitar, which, of course, is a passion of mine, was was either on Revolver or Sgt. Pepper, and it blew my... It was Rubber Soul. Yeah, well, Norwegian, uh, Norwegian Wood. Norwegian Wood. It blew my fucking mind. I was like, what is that weird sound? I remember that, too. Uh, we talked about it for a long time before you actually went and bought one. I remember when you actually went and got one, I thought it was, like, one of the coolest things ever. Well, I bought that cheap one from... McMurray, this, right? No, it was from uh, West County Music or something like that. And, oh, it, and, okay. I, and I got it, and I brought it to my sitar teacher, and he was like, this is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> you could not play this pile of shit. No, he didn't, he didn't say that. But I was like, oh, I spent $300 on this thing, and little did I know how much I was going to be in... in, in Hawk, I sold my bass guitar, in fact, to you to buy not 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 that just alone, but I sold a bunch of my equipment to just just basically scrape the surface of what a an actual good sitar would cost. And we just we just uh, my lady just drug it out of the bunker. I sent you a, a video of me tuning it up earlier. Yeah, that was pretty fucking cool, man. I didn't realize that that bass that I bought was so you could get the sitar. That's pretty cool. Just talk a little bit about our early recording days and what we call the two tape deck method, because this, this I think we we thought we were inventing something, but this was actually just a poor man's four track. Well, it was like constant bouncing tracks, right? Like, but what I like Expl- about it- explain that to our listeners that may not understand what that means. Yeah, I'm sure, point. a lot of them don't. Sure, like uh, so back when all ten of them. Uh, right when uh, when recording was new, I mean, you had a tape deck, and that tape deck had like maybe four um, different, like isolated what would be called tracks, or you can control the volume independently of these four like pieces 
Bass, drums, guitar, vocals. Exactly. And so if you had these four tracks, you could balance them and, and you know, mix them together so that it sounded like a, a full song. And what they would do sometimes to free up tracks is you would uh, record on the first three, and then you would uh, record those uh, over back over to one track that was called Bouncing the Track, and it would free up three tracks so you could record more than four. So so basically when uh, – and. Uh, I I don't I'm, I th- we're gonna play at least one of our tracks um, at the end of this or maybe I don't know at some point we'll play it. But what we but, would do was we, we had to get it right live. Right, because we didn't have a four track. What we had was two cassette decks, which meant we had two cassette decks and a mixing board. It was your setup, uh, and I remember like I, I found out it. <laughs> you invented it, and uh, I remember like hanging out and you told me you had it, and I was like, oh, we need to go and record. I got. Not one, but two tape decks two. and a mixing board. I think it's actually kind of genius that we figured out how to do that. I think you figured out how to do it, not me. You're a genius for figuring that okay, out. Okay, I'll accept that. All right. So we would take the two tape decks. What we would do is we would record like a, two guitars. We would play at the same time. We'd and, record. And, and sing. Well, it, I think it, at it, first, would we sing at the same time or would we just do the guitars? Well, well, we knew that we only had limited space, so we would try to cram as much on that first take. And I have whole cassette tapes full of our first takes and the reason why was because the more times because here's what we would do we'd take that first time we'd play guitar and sing yeah and then we would play that tape and while that tape was playing we would record another layer on top of that and record that to the second cassette deck and what i'm going to do right here now now that i'm thinking about it i'm going to drop it in you won't you won't hear it now but i'm going to drop in a clip of the song that you wrote called the drifter and the you played the keyboard and sang, and then I overdubbed other vocals and bass on it. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I remember like uh, I listened to it recently, and uh, on your vocal you had like this crazy like phase shifter, and it was like the swirly sound on top of it. Oh, we we used the fuck out of the phase shifter. So I'm gonna play a clip, just a small clip of the Drifter, written by you and accompanied by me. <laughs> So there you go. What do we call that? Cosmic alternative? That's the name. You came up with it, and I can Did get I come up? It. I'm a genius. You're a genius, man. It was a good time. Because you had other al- cosmic alternative songs, right? Alone on the Moon. Alone on the Moon. Which is, I think it's on... Uh, it's on... Shadows. Yeah, my... my. No, it was on... It was on the coping. The coping. And I re-recorded it for 
Live Today Again, my collection. I'm so fucking lame, my albums. The goal was to collect all these different recordings and put them on albums that we would sell. We would sell them to our friends, to our like, how people many, in how, high what, school. What was the record you sold? Um, so later on, when I did get some little better recording gear, I made one that I sold in school. I think I sold them maybe 200 copies of it. That's like 190 copies more than I ever sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay, okay, okay. Let 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 me let me give a let me give a little uh, backstory here. For those of you who don't know, Suede was he had a sound. It was a lot. It was a lot of piano and guitar, very kind of Beatle, Billy Joel, Elton John, a little bit of Pink Floyd. You're being very kind. <laughs> well, but that would that was where you were pulling from. That's true. I was pulling from that. I couldn't make up my mind whether I wanted to be a grunge rocker, a country musician, a balladeer, or a death metal artist. So, so my <laughs> albums were very difficult to get through <laughs> sure sure well think about what happens when you take those two influences and the stuff that we made together though was like totally different because we had this hodgepodge of influences that made for some really interesting things you got to dig up some more of those recordings man you well, have more i do have a lot of them well as we as we talk we and we get to some of the some of the songs i'll i'll, I'll drop them in later that's the miracle of this podcast i can drop everything in later but tell me a little bit about Larry Norman. Oh God! So Larry Norman. Nobody's going to know who this is, but me and you. There's Father at least Christian one Rock. other person that is like Larry Norman. Nah, he, I don't know that name. Wasn't he an actor on a '70s soap opera? <laughs> this dude was a trip. Like right? father of Christian rock, right? Yeah, I mean, he was uh, before there was even like a whole Christian music industry. He was making Jesus music. I, you made me a tape. I got it around here somewhere, and I think it was, I think it was a compilation of Larry Norman songs. I mean, and to be fair, he was a little Van Morrison, a little Jackson Brown, a little, little Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, yeah. But he did write. Young. He did write some good songs, and I would say so many of my early songs came from listening to Larry Norman. And well, you, I, me you, too. you introduced me to Larry Norman, and, and your dad did. I remember listening to "In Another Land" and uh, "Something New Under the Sun" at your house. Only visiting this planet. Yeah. The cool thing about those records, too, is, like, this dude was, like, a legitimate artist. He was a weird guy, but uh, he was signed to, like, Capitol Records and MGM. And he went on tour with, like, The Who and Jimi Hendrix. And, you know, like, he was, like, making legitimate stuff. On his records has, like, uh, the bass player from King Crimson. Didn't George know? Martin help produce So Long Ago the Garden? I don't know if he helped produce it. I have to look that up. But he was I do on the know, credits. Well, he wrote the string arrangement, for, uh, pardon me, on uh, Only Visiting This Planet. Pardon me, <laughs> kissing you like I'm afraid. Okay, so Larry Norman was a huge influence on us, and I feel like so much of our love songs came not from actual love, but from hearing Larry Norman's love songs and thinking all love ended horribly. Yeah, that's totally true. And it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Either divorce or kids. It's all fucking horrible. <laughs> Dude, that song that you started singing, you made me think of something. It's this song called Pardon Me, and it's like this really, like, 
fucked up love song about someone pressuring you for sex. Should I play it? Should I play a clip? Sure, play a clip. Uh, we got 20 seconds. Pardon me, kissing you like I'm afraid, but I know I'm being played with, and you leave. There you go. That was the 20 seconds of Pardon Me. I, I, I know you're going, why the fuck? Did you guys think that was cool? But it was it was a big deal. I remember sitting in my grand marquee, my 84 grand marquee, in the parking lot at Frank's Nursery and Crafts, listening to that song, being sad, and I don't know why. <laughs> I was you in know, love with nobody. I was just fucking sad and depressed and moody. It's such a weird string arrangement and creepy song. I sang that in youth group once. Oh, God. They did not know how to take it. I got reprimanded by the youth leaders later because they're like, you can't talk about sex. And Isn't group. there a line about something about your clothing comes undone? Yes, there is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I sang it in youth and, group. And it wasn't a sexy line. It was that was a rock star like, move. Me, fuck you. I'm going, I can't <laughs> do it. Don't, don't suck my dick. Ah! <laughs> Oh my god. They were they were totally scared of it at that point. They had to like have a conference with everybody, you know. <laughs> you can't talk about sex at youth group that's gonna make kids want to have sex. And I will say this, I will say this about Larry Norman. He was a fanatic, but he did his own fucking thing and you, you gotta give him that. What whatever you could say negative and I'm sure there's a lot, he he, he I think the reason I liked him is that he didn't fit into quote Christian music and I'm not religious by any stretch at sure. this point. But there's still a warm place in my heart for a guy that's like, I'm a Christian and I'm fucking horny and this chick wants to have sex with me and I'm crying. Well, meanwhile, while he's having an affair with Randy Stonehill's wife. Yeah, asterisk. <laughs> so, okay, let's see. And so let's fast forward a little bit. So we get the the, the highfalutin four-track. I had an eight-track, which was just more tracks that i could put shit that didn't make sense on i feel like you did more with your four track than i did with my eight track man i was just eight eight tracks is a lot it's a lot at that time right and you gotta learn how to use those tracks i guess because i I couldn't play i couldn't play the guitar right for one track much less oh my god (laughs) i was jealous of that eight track but uh i would like sit up in my room for hours and just record on the four track i I have some tapes of those somewhere too we should dig out no you you made some good four track recordings and i feel like i think wasn't sergeant pepper done on a four track if i'm not mistaken it was it was done on two four tracks actually they would sync up yeah, they yeah. So so basically what what I'm saying here is if you got a good song, four tracks is enough. Yeah, to good make song it sound is a good, good song. And what I found is I had horrible songs that I would put eight tracks on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your songs were terrible, man. No, your songs were good, dude. Not, Alone on no, the Moon is a good song. But they were not let's let's be honest here, <laughs> Swade. Okay. A lot of them were fucking dog shit. Oh, of course they were. So were mine. But but it was it was more about the process than the actual product. That's right. Would you agree? It's like it's like learning how to use the technology and, and getting I, all that out of the way and learning what sounds good, learning about yourself, getting through it and getting better. I will say that that those those early years, I credit those for everything good and bad that came afterwards. And some people would be like, "Should have fucking stop you fucking retard." But I really feel like that 
learning to use that what's now considered to be antiquated technology. Yeah. I mean, it's and and and, and you said your dad said this. Never throw away anything you record or record everything. I think is the he still says that because. There's always some value in it. Maybe maybe nobody wants to listen to it, but you can hear something and go, I like the chord change in that. Maybe the rest of the fucking song is shit. But that chord change, maybe I can use that later in something else. That's or, right. Or you may be like, wow, like I was playing that Feeling Lonely song for you upstairs. That's, uh-huh. that's not a bad song. That's actually... No, that's a good song. It's sappy. I, I feel like it needs to be redone. I don't know if I have the motivation or the skill to do it anymore but it came out of my heart and I, do, I don't know where in my heart it came from because i i was afraid of all girls <laughs> yeah can, we can, would can, write these songs about can being you, in can love. you talk a little bit about that about our love songs about women that didn't exist well they weren't just love songs they were broken heart love songs and we had never been in love and had our hearts <laughs> broken so I don't know what we were trying to prove to ourselves with that, but uh, it sure made for some interesting fodder. Like, we wrote probably, what, 10 or 15 songs like that. I wrote Feeling Lonely, I'll Never Fall in Love Again, which is still a really good song. I have not put that out on my musical page yet, but I think I will. Yeah, that is a good song. Um, You had that song. I'll play a clip of it right here. Love. Oh, God. I don't know if I'm in love, <laughs> but I got this boner in my pants. Swing. I feel like we got we got the emotion and sexuality thing kind of like reversed. Uh, Guy, guys are supposed man. to be more like like boner savvy and not so much emotional, but we were the exact opposite. Well, I mean, Maybe come we on. got our, our dingus wet. We would have been not so. Hundred percent, man. Come on, if we were like the community or the people we hung around, we're so against that shit. You can't have sex; it's bad. It's only for babies. <laughs> Onanism. Really? Really? It was so bad you couldn't even masturbate. That no, was a sin. No, I, here, here here's a little. This is this is going to go over most people's heads. But I went and saw a band called Resurrection Band. Um, also called Res Band. They were a Christian band. I went and saw it with another friend I have named Sam. It was at a church, and Glenn Kaiser, the lead singer, gets up in the middle of his performance and goes, God, I just can't stop masturbating. I heard him say something like that at Cornerstone. Why the fuck are you telling people you can't stop touching yourself? That's fucking weird. Fat, old, bald, biker dude. I wasn't there, but I did have a run-in with Glenn Kaiser myself, by the way. He had a great voice. Well, I saw him when he was doing his blues thing, and get this, at the time I was Did he like, talk about touching himself? I, well, he talked about like- He said, he said, Suede, I just can't touch him, stop <laughs> touching my dick. It was an awkward conversation. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I remember my other friend Sam was like, I wanted to fucking crawl into a hole in the ground when he starts talking about not being able to stop masturbating. That's like, fucking weird, dude. Can you imagine like, if Nickelback said that in concert? <laughs> Chad Kruger be like, want to watch me jack off? <laughs>
Did he do it right before the show? No, he did it in the middle of the show, and, and Wendy Kaiser... No, he was... masturbated in the middle of the show? No. That would have been the best show ever. Oh. Sounds like a Gigi Allen show, man. Oh. <laughs> no. No, I'm saying, like, he was back in the green room whacking it off, and then came out on stage, like, I can't stop masturbating. Well, his wife... He's hiding his boner behind his guitar? I don't know about all that, but his wife, I believe, was standing on the stage next to him, and she, they just, sang looked, together. she just looked like... I wish I could satisfy this man. <laughs> oh my God! Right? I mean, okay, okay. This is this is a, this is a live dude's conversation, and I know my lady's in the room. But what is wrong with touching yourself? Is that worse than having an affair? There's no. nothing wrong with it. And to get up on stage in a church and be like, "God, I can't stop wagging off my dick to porno." <laughs> Dude, oh my God, that just can open up a whole can of worms. So, so what was your encounter with this Christian blues singer? Well, I was there. Uh, I watched him play. You walked into show. the bathroom. He's like, oh, "Leave me uh, No, not quite. But it was like you know, we he's stuck more, around. He's, he's morbidly obese now. Is he really? Yeah, he's huge. Oh wow. Um, I guess that's what masturbating does to you. <laughs> no, it's what not masturbating does to you. <laughs> oh, okay, that's what. He, oh God. No, I just had this conversation with them, like after the show, and at the time I was Got thinking some about houses you want to look at, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was planning on like moving to Nashville and become a songwriter, and he almost effectively talked me out of it. I don't know if I ever told you that. No. No, tell me. He wrote this book called The Responsibility of the Christian Musician that I had read, and I believed that so much that, that I was like... That you need to talk about touching yourself on stage, apparently. I need to break that book out. I bet you he talks about it in the book, right? I just remember being like, I thought I was coming here to see Christian rock, not talk about masturbating! <laughs> so so he talked you out of be, like moving to Nashville? That's, that sounds like actually good advice. It probably was. Even even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. He didn't single-handedly talk me out of it. I just remember it being an interesting conversation, right? But it was kind of weird, right? I do remember uh, one occasion, and we won't play this clip because I feel like it's more personal for you, but I remember you came over to my house, and this is when I first got my digital set up. Okay. And you recorded a song called Get Your Attention. Oh, yeah. Great song. That's crazy, dude. Like, you sent that to me recently. In, I hadn't heard it in years. In its infancy. It, like, it, it's not a finished recording by any stretch. And you called me the next day and said, erase that. And I was wow. like, what? There's a song there. There's a kernel of a song there somewhere. Yeah, and you didn't erase it, did you? No, because I, in fact, I actually uh, got out the master and was trying to figure out a way to finish it. But I was like, I, it was it was too much you and not enough me. Because it was all you. Great song, but wh- why would you tell me to erase a, a great, cl- like, a, like a, a song kernel like that? I'm trying to remember. Do you, do you remember? That time. I don't remember 100%. I just have this sense that think maybe I, should I play, was... Think I should play a clip of it? Yeah, let's play a clip of it. Would I be a fool not to make an attempt to catch your attention? Would I be a fool not to make an attempt to catch your attention? Would I be a fool not to make an attempt to catch your attention? Would I be a fool not to make an 
Yeah, so there's something there. There's something. There's 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 a there's a kernel there that, that I think there's still a song there to tell you the truth. I would agree with you, and it's crazy to hear that because um, well, I hadn't heard that in 15 years. I just had this sense that maybe there was someone that I was writing it for, and then like something had changed, or who knows? And I was like, just get rid of it. <laughs> no, maybe I I last asked a girl out and she said no, and I was like, well, get rid of that one. <laughs> Well, uh, that makes sense because we had no experience ask, asking girls out. Right. I mean, here here's the thing about my early love songs. They came out of wanting something I didn't understand. Sure. Like, like you hear songs on the radio, I would do anything for love. <laughs> I would die for you. And then you're like, that sounds good. That sounds like a good, like, song. And then you start writing. You're like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. And it just comes out sounding like like drool. 100%. Like, that would be funny to dig up some of those songs and hear what those sound like at some point. But everybody has to go through that, right? As a musician, I mean, okay, we're not all Paul McCartney here. We're not all going to write like she loves you in our early 20s it's 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 i mean and even even they wrote some some stinkers the beatles did sure they did yeah but you know i don't know what we were reaching out for at the time i mean it made some interesting i think you know a lot of it was that we were being influenced by the things we were listening we wanted to make things that sound like that and that oh and we're just being kind of like a fun like funny thing to do i think it was part of us it was part of our uh, uh, absurdism too don't you think we were some weird dudes let's well, be real well Let's be honest here. We sounded like we were on drugs, and we weren't. I know. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, it was like The Drifter, which we heard a minute ago, and uh, uh, Alone on the Moon, which uh, is available somewhere else. If you you know who I am, you can look it up. It sounded like we were heavy into, like, weed, to tell you the truth. And, 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 and I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I didn't even know what it was. I, I thought I, I thought it was like heroin. I thought it was really bad. It's not. Uh, no. But, yeah, no. It's actually, I, I mean, I actually have enjoyed a doobie at a time or two in my life. Well, sure. But, I mean, like, at that point, we didn't even... I probably hadn't even had alcohol in my life at that point. You I know? mean, I remember, I remember when I went and when I was working at the, the warehouse with Adam, and Adam came in acting fucked up, and he had his hair braided like Coolio. <laughs> what? And he was he was mooing like a cow at people across the break room, and like, and I was like, shut the hell up! I wouldn't say hell because hell's bad. Yeah. And somebody came over to him and said, are you on drugs? He goes, no. And they go, well, maybe you should try him. <laughs> <laughs> he really wasn't on drugs? No, he, no, 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 Adam was not on drugs. Adam probably needed to be on drugs most of his life. God rest his soul. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we acted like, a, because we were, we were steeped in drug music. That's right. I mean, we were, uh, I was obsessed, still am obsessed with the Beatles, especially the psychedelic era. And that really influenced what we did. Oh, yeah. I mean, Revolver, did, you know? Sergeant Pepper, Sergeant Magical Pepper, Mystery, Mystery Tour, Tour are, are yeah. my, probably my three albums that I always think of when I think of the Beatles at their height. Yeah. Well, that's when they were really working well together, too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I mean, I guess we just imitated drug music. I don't... 
I don't remember. Like I, I've always been a metal head, but but I never really discovered real metal. Wink, wink. Until I discovered non-Christian metal. <laughs> right. Like, okay, I mean, some of the bands that I listen to, like Deliverance and Vengeance, I mean, how do I say this? Compared to, like, Megadeth and Slayer and Metallica, they were all pale imitations. But those bands weren't known for, they were known for drinking and shit. I mean, maybe cocaine, but... Except for Striper. Like, wouldn't Striper getting all, like, fucked up backstage uh, and coming out and throwing Bibles out into the audience? They were drinking whiskey, from what I understand. Oh, God, that's terrible whiskey. But, but God's I, against that, when right? I when, when I heard Strawberry Fields Forever, that connected in, with me in a way that no Christian music could. And, and of course it couldn't. It wouldn't because that song is something that even John Lennon didn't seem to understand what he was doing at the time. Sure. He seemed like he was never satisfied with it, and music was, and, and I think you can relate to this, music was an outlet to get away from our, our upbringing, so to speak. I mean, you, we were very cloistered, sure. and, and like, there were church performances, but I never felt like I was doing my thing. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Like, um, you were always within the Jesus boundaries. You were in the Jebus zone. Yeah, I don't think it's that way for everybody that is in that situation. No, but it was but that way for was, me. And it was for me, too. Like, we were very much entrenched in a, in a small group of people that had some narrow ideas and some weird things were taught to us, right? But uh, at the same time, I'm glad that we had those other outside influences there because, you know, it caused us to do some pretty take some risks. They kept me sane. Yeah. Now, now explain a little bit about your journey out of uh, if you want if you want to get into it out of like Christian music and what and what became your music now, which is pretty much just music. It is pretty well. That's all it ever really is. But and, uh, and that's the that's the thing is like, I mean, we both read the books about how Christian musicians are told imitate other people and and just replace boyfriend or girlfriend with Jesus and it was it was difficult for me I never was able to wrap my mind around religion and music they always seem like two fucking different things to me I mean I mean how how was your experience with that my experience was more one based on fear like and guilt like I would listen to this amazing music like the Beatles or like some of the other stuff that my dad would bring home from the library uh like yes like you mentioned Chicago even Elton John, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to sound a little fruity here, but he wrote some great songs. He's a great piano player, a great singer, and he's I an remember, amazing artist. To me, I was always like, how do I, how do I reconcile the fact that he's gay with the fact that he's making good music? Oh yeah, that's true because that was something that was very looked down upon in the community that, that we were in. Didn't right? your dad bring bring home Dark Side of the Moon? He I, did. I, I remember I mean, that. it blew my mind and the that, first time I heard that's, it. That album is probably. I mean, it's got to be, as far as an album goes, one of the top five albums ever made. As far as, like, start to finish, song fade in to fade out. It's a masterpiece, for sure. You know they recorded that at Abbey Road. Wow. In the same studio that the Beatles recorded in. And, and to me, it was like, I was like, how is this evil? I don't, I don't understand how it's evil. 
and music to me always seem bigger than religion. But you're saying religion and music were kind of intertwined with you. Well, it was always at odds with me because I would listen to this stuff and I had that internal conflict too. I'd be like, this is fucking awesome, but I can't listen to this because, you know, it's going to lead me astray from the path. But, but I mean, and, and our, our listeners uh, may be getting a little, like, in over their head, but the fact the fact is music is coming from a part of your being that can't be necessarily addressed by religion. That's what I found. Like, my my sad songs or my angry songs, like, there was never any part of religion that made any sense of that for me. Yeah, that's right, for me, too. I mean, we did some... I remember just taking really weird risks and trying things and just like anything was an option. We could just make whatever sounds we wanted. We could make write about whatever we wanted. Um, and then later go, I would go back in and edit it and then like be like, Oh, I can't say this. That's probably something to do with why I told you to erase that song. Honestly, you know, well, let's get into some of the censored things that we did. Um, the one that pops to mind is the Barney theme song. <laughs> oh God, that that's a good memory. It was erased because because well why don't why don't you why don't you talk about it and I'll tell my my dad's reaction. To well, it. here's what I remember about the song. <laughs> uh, I remember it being summertime. We were downstairs and we were recording it. And we were like, hey, let's do the Barney theme, but instead we'll say, I hate you, you hate me. Let's all kill Barney and uh, and with a twelve, with a 12 gauge. gauge shotgun, shoot him in the head. Yeah, and we like it was like oh, pretty we intense. Went for it. And did we put it like sound effects of a shotgun going off in that? I I think we talked about it, but I don't think we had the internet at that time. So no, I think I had like a sound effects CD that we pulled a shotgun sound from. Oh well, that would have put it over the edge. The and your dad. So your dad. He was up- running down the steps. He was upstairs while we while we were recording this. When it's loud in the house, I hate you. You hate me. <laughs> so what God, happened? I wish we wouldn't arrest him. <clears throat> oh, my dad came downstairs. Like I, I remember, I remember he came downstairs. I think he stopped us, and then you had to go home. and And he told me afterwards, that is not acceptable. That's violent, and disgusting and you need to erase it and he made me fucking erase it like he stood there while you erased it i don't know if he stood over me but i knew that i better erase it or he was gonna have my ass did you erase it yes is that the only time you've ever erased a song uh in the clip we're getting ready to ready to play um i did erase something i erased a fart reference (laughs) did you I still have the master somewhere, so 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 the the word fart is still floating around somewhere in my tape box. Did it just get cut out, or did you replace it with something else? What I did was we recorded the, the, the what we're gonna get what we're getting ready to play here. I recorded it on my A track, and you did some guitar accompaniment. And when it came to the offending F word, yeah. not fuck, but fart, fart, I turned the track down. Really? And then turned it back up after you were done. Well, th- okay, well, this was not the first time that I was censored. Me and Adam, years ago, God, I still have this tape somewhere. We recorded something, and he farted on the mic. Not on the mic, but on mic. You could hear him fart. And my mom heard it and goes, that doesn't glorify Jesus. Well, no shit, Sherlock. That's why it's fucking funny. <laughs> 
Come on, Jesus farted, right? He had to, right? If he was a human, he farted. Son, of, Yeah, son of God. Farted. That fell under the umbrella of what was called coarse jesting. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Well, uh, yes, coarse jesting. That's or the best that. kind of jesting. It is. That's the funniest stuff, right? <laughs> All the Bruce Jenner fucking shit, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and and here here's a side note. This is this is how naive I was. I guess isn't that naive? But I remember somehow homosexuality got brought up. What? In my house, like I think I was reading the Bible. What? Two men are not lie together. And I told my mom and dad, I was like, so so I don't understand what's what's wrong with two guys sleeping together. And they go, well. Some guys like to have sex with other guys. Dun, dun, dun. And I'm like, I don't understand how that works. And they go, they put it in their butt. Seriously? <laughs> I could be misremembering that part, but I remember a very, I remember a graphic discussion going on or something happened and it was traumatizing to me. And I'm like, and I can't make fart jokes, and there's guys out there ramming their dicks up each other's buttholes. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that would be, a, that's an awkward conversation to have with your parents, first of all. Well, I mean, I mean, and also I, I thought, I thought all women had hairy nipples because, <laughs> because I read Song of Solomon yeah. in the Bible where it talks about the pubic bush growing. Yeah, some line, and I was like, and I had hair on my nipples, so I was like, makes sense. Kind of like I don't remember asking because I didn't really want to know because I'm like that'll ruin a fucking titty for me. <laughs> oh man, well that's what's. By the way, you brought up Song of Solomon, which is a book of the Bible. Oh, it's erotica. It's it's X rated, and yet Christians don't want to talk about sex. It blows my mind. It's in the it's in the in, in the Bible. In another bi- another talks book. about oral sex. In another book in the Bible, they don't want to talk about his revelations, which is like fucking hellfire and like. Talk about tripping balls and kicking stalls. Yeah, it's a fever dream. Yeah. So yeah, this was this was the inferno, the typhoon of uh, of a religious fervor and musical passion that became swayed in J. Max musical passion. I, w- I always felt like my parents were not really on board with my sitar. How, how, I mean, how did? What was your thought? And you said you were impressed with it. I mean, did you feel yeah. like there was any kind of a cult draw, like draw to that? Um, I do not remember, which probably means no, because I would have seen it through the context of the Beatles, you know, and like within you, without you, love to you, those songs that just sounded so cool and like like otherworldly than what we were used to listening to. I thought it was cool. Well, and and I, what I didn't really, I don't know that I really spoke about this much to them but my sitar teacher was and is a muslim okay which is not into like what you would consider to be like hindu mythology and all that shit he's 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 a pretty worldly guy in a lot of ways he's very progressive that's cool he watches game of thrones <laughs> Like, I remember the first time I went over to his house, I thought, are we going to sit down? He's going to, like, put some incense on. We're going to have to, like, babble for an hour. And it was nothing fucking like that. In fact, it was like, sit down, 
tune your sitar. Your sitar is a piece of shit. Buy a new one. <laughs> Come back and memorize this 85-minute bending note sonata that I've composed. And I'm like, what? How long did you have to go with that sitar before you were able to get one that was uh, worth getting? Oh, like about three months. I, I, I like That's pretty quick. As soon so what did as, you do? As, as soon as I saw what a real sitar was, I'm like, I can't play this. The one I had was basically a toy. Okay. Like it wouldn't stay in tune. It, it was like something you buy to hang on your wall. It was not. It was not a real instrument. I will say that. Like okay, like you could hear it cracking when you would tune it. <laughs> so what we are getting ready to play for you here is, and I wanted Miss K to be here, but I think she was a little like overwhelmed with our like chumminess. Really? I mean, not a lot, but I feel I, I felt like she she said you got. I won't have anything to say, and I'm like, you're right. There's some weird shit that we can talk about for sure. <laughs> And she is great, but I realize that this is, I mean, we've been talking for 47 minutes and and we're not, I guess we're around the wrapping up part, but like normally we like to get the podcast in around an hour, but sometimes that's a struggle when we don't have material, but I mean, you could, I feel like we could easily talk for another. We could do a whole podcast series on the stories that we have, man. Yeah, so what we're getting ready to play for you here is something simply titled A Poem. I I, I think it was by Ernest Dowson. I have no idea who the fuck that is. Who's Ernest Dowson? <laughs> Should we, are we going to talk about this after we play it? No, no, set it up, set it up. And okay. We'll actually, we'll actually pause it as we go because this is, this is too good to just play one time through. So tell me your memory of this because my memory is... Uh, pretty fucking fly by the seat of our pants with this one. Well, yeah, I guess so. very little planning. Yeah, but that's some of the best ideas. You come from just like going for it. Um, this this would this would beg to differ. I know, like this is just us being ridiculous. Like we were really good at being ridiculous. By the way, I think still are still are. So my memory of it is we went up to the high school up the street from the neighborhood we lived in, and we found a storm drain that echoed. Like really well, and then because put, we didn't have good reverb, we didn't have an echo chamber or reverb or anything. I like that. I think it was more about the experience than than the actual. Yeah, although we the echo was pretty, was pretty cool. It was. What did we do? We crawled inside a storm. But do drain. you remember we tried it on the overpass first? I forgot about that over two seventy, and it was too loud from the cars. I, I still have that tape somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to hear that version. Well, we probably, I remember like we played it back and we were like, we can't hear a fucking word we said. <laughs> we got to do this again. So, we're going to get away from the noise. That makes more sense while we went into the drain. We were like, we can get away from the noise. Yeah, so the second choice was the storm drain. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember. Let's just, pl- we'll play it and pause it as it goes. You'll have to put the mic up to the thing right. there. See, that's not big enough to climb in. Well, okay. Here we am like, shut the fuck up, get in the drain. <laughs> like, it'll be I... okay, we got a tape recorder, god damn it, get down in there. There could be a sewer rat in there, but who cares, we're going to record I'm, this I'm, shit. I'm in, and I think I even say at one point, I've been to places way smaller than this. I don't know how to... Oh, there's lots of glass down in here. I'm... Oh, I climb into stuff smaller than this before. <laughs> oh my god, what a fucking dumbass! <laughs> You're a jerk. You pussy, I climb in shit. 
Little did I mention that the places that I climbed in were full of spiders. We, we can go in right in the entrance, I guess. Yeah. We don't want to go in too far, or else we won't be able to read the thing. Okay, this will be cool right here. Okay. Hey, that's cool, man. We should record some stuff in here. Listen to you, like, we should come down here again. You didn't want to go in there to begin with. You're like, let's come in here over and over again. I was flying by the seat of my pants, bro. No drugs. Should have been. Faithful to thee in my fashion, a poem by Ernest Dowson. Who's Ernest Dowson? Was that improvised? Absolutely. Okay, so what we did was we recorded the, the, the audio, and then you, you were like, let's put guitar on it. And I got to tell you, it fits somehow. Do you still remember how to play that shit? I could probably figure it out again, right? Last night, ah, yesterday night, betwixt her lips and mine, there fell thy shadow, sayonara. Thy breath was shed upon my soul. Between the kisses and the wine. Doesn't it say sayonara? You're like, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I was being an asshole too. To, to be on to be to be fair, I I I don't remember any mm, sensical uh, pronunciation of that word. It was a really weird name and this was not our poem. Let's just let's be on let's be straight up this was not our poem. And I get kind of giggly at some point where it starts talking about some sexual metaphors. And I was desolate and sick of an old passion. <laughs> yeah, I was desolate and bowed my head. I have been faithful to thee, <laughs> Sayonara, in my passion. Okay, you, you really step up this next part. You give it a really dramatic feel that I was lacking. Because you, I think I went first, and I was like, I was awkward, and then you, you really went for it on this next part. I was trying to bring it home, huh? You did. You brought it home, motherfucker. All right. All night long upon my hearts I felt her warm heart beat Not long within mine arms in love And sleep night she day Baslava slava What is baslava slava? Baslava slava <laughs> That sounds sexual It does sound, yeah, it's like slob my knob Slava Surely the kisses of her blood red mouth were sweet But I was desolate and sick of an old passion when I awoke and found the dawn was gray, I have been faithful to thee, Sinara, in my fashion. So, okay, so he went to a whore, basically. That's, he said, I've been faithful to thee in my fashion, but he talks about bought red lips. So he's going to a whore, and he's like, so I paid for it. It's not a big deal. And I don't think any of this was registering with our with our naive young minds. Um, probably not. Holy shit. I think it's some point. <laughs> I think at some point it does because I get real giggly. So let's keep All listening. Right. I have forgotten much, Sayonara. Gone with the wind. Flung roses, roses riotously with the throng. Dancing to put thy pale, lost lilies out of my mind. To put the pale, your pale, lost lilies. Oh, that's titties. That's tit pale, lost lilies. What else would that be? This is definitely not edifying. <laughs> and this this was where I, where I felt like we were we were the lunatics had reign of the asylum here because we never let our parents hear this shit. They would be like, "Fucking turn it off, stupid motherfucker!" Erase it, erase it, <laughs> Barney. But I was desolate and sick of an old passion. 
Nora in my fashion. I cried for matter, music, and for stronger wine. But when the feast is finished and the lamps expire, then falls thy shadow, Sinara. The night is thine, and I am desolate and sick of an old passion. I finally get into it there. I had a... <laughs> I'm like I'm like a mute the whole time, and then I'm like, Rah! wait to wait till the eleventh hour, bro. Okay, okay. Now, now the fart sensor is coming up here pretty oh, quickly. Th- there was a fart in this. Uh, you, I think either you farted or I'm, there was a fart sound, and I censored it out, so you'll hear that the audio goes mute real quick. Okay. I'm hungry for the lips of my desire. I have been faithful to thee, Sinara, in my fashion. Thank you. Oh, hey guys, listen, listen. Just up. And that's why we didn't get laid till we were twenty-five. <laughs> Was that a raptor sound at the end? Yeah, you were making your raptor sound. <laughs> And where it goes, where you what you say is, you go, I got a fart, and you fart, and because it's, I, I heard it, I was like, I got to take it out. I have vague recollection of that now, of you censoring that when you were mixing it. It was, it was so fucking sad. There was another time where me and one of the one of the guys I grew up with named Dave E, which you also knew, we farted on Mike, and I erased it because my mother heard me laughing about the. Oh. So sinful. We could have been fucking shooting heroin, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sitting in, Suede. I hope we can do this again. Even if we do it by Skype, I think we could have a lot of fun with this shit. Uh, I'm game. Let's do it. So how we always do this sign-off, and uh, this is is me and Adam sign-off. So what what I always said was, if you need a deep cockin', and then Adam would say, "Just come a knocking." So it's so I'm going to say that, and then you say, "Just come a knocking." Can you do that? I can do that. If you need a deep cocking, just come a knocking. <laughs>